This is the Sanctuary LA podcast. We are a real church for real people in the heart of downtown Los Angeles. In the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 5, verse 17 is where I want to begin. Hmm. I, I, I just want to step into this spirit of the living God. We worship you and we adore you. Somebody shout breakthrough. Somebody declare him to be the God of my breakthrough. Come on, say it. He's the God of my breakthrough. Is there anybody in the room that's been going through a shifting, going through a shift? And, 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 and there has to be somebody in the room because there's a shift that's going on even as we are preaching right here. There's a shift that when they showed up, they start talking about breakthrough, and it just sort of shifted the environment. It sort of shifted the atmosphere. The thing that I love about God is that this sanctuary has created an atmosphere for the presence of God. And whenever the presence of the, God, of the Lord shows up in a place, crooked legs are made straight. Whenever the presence of the Lord shows up in a place, those that are blind, whether they can't see spiritually or naturally, those that are blind, God opens up their eyes. Because whenever Jesus is in a place, he comes there to do something. How many of you know that he came to do something? Now, we came to get something. We came to give something. But he's here to do something, to do something. Somebody is maybe going through something that they can't tell anybody. Because if you told them, they would think that you're not even saved. But I want you to know that God knows what you're going through. And today, he's going to break the back of every enemy that has been on an assignment for your failure. God is going to release something in the room. And I just want to know if there's anybody in the room that came to get it, that came to receive what it is that God wants to do in this room. And so look at, let, let, let's get into this word. Let's get into this word. Uh, and then I'm going to uh, let you sit down. Verse 17, 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 17. Now the Philistines heard, or when the Philistines heard that David was anointed king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. And David heard of it, and he went down to the stronghold. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Raphaim. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? Is this fight my fight? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. So David went, in, went to Baal-perazim, and David defeated them there. He defeated them there. It matters where you fight. It matters where you go to church. It matters what words you hear. He defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me. Somebody say, like a breakthrough. Like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the name of that place Baal-perazim. And they left their images there. And David and his men carried them away. Then the Philistines went up once and again and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. It's interesting that when you defeat the enemy, he always returns for another fight. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord again. And he said... You shall not go up, but circle around them and come upon them in the front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be that when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly. 
For then the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. And David did so. And the Lord, as the Lord commanded him, and he drove back the Philistines from Geba uh, as far as Gezer. Let's talk about breakthrough. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Happy Father's Day to all of the dads. It's interesting to me that uh, um, someone came to me not too long ago, Pastor Sean, uh, uh, it was after church, and they walked up to me and they said, Pastor Johnny, will you pray for me? They said that, uh, man, I'm struggling with uh, my relationship with my dad. I'm just struggling with it. He says, man, my dad, he says, here I am, almost 30 years old, and uh, my dad has not been in my life. And he says, uh, uh, as a young kid, he left me and my mom, and he went and got another family, and now he's living with uh, another family. He says, I've got brothers and sisters that I don't know because my dad has not been in my life. And he says that I'm really angry about it. He says, I'm really frustrated, and I'm really mad, and I'm really bitter. And he says that I don't want to be like that, but he says, I can't deny it. I can't dismiss it. I am mad and angry at my father and he still calls him his father and I said to him I said that um, I'm gonna pray with you but I said before I pray with you I just want to say something to you I said because you don't want to walk through the rest of your life punishing yourself for something that somebody else did not have the capacity to give you anybody know what I'm talking about because there are people in your life that they gave you all that they could give you they couldn't give you more if they had the ability to give you more they would have given you and so I said, you don't want to punish yourself. Here's your dad. He's gotten another family. He's gone on in his life. And here you are sitting here with bitterness and resentment. And you can't even move forward in the things that your life, what God has best for you, the rest for you, what God has special for you, because you have allowed yourself to be overwhelmed with the bitterness of something that your dad couldn't even bring to the table. And I don't know, I, I, I don't know, maybe there's someone in the room that feels like, listen, I am frustrated and challenged by some things that are going on in my life, and I can't let that thing go. Two weeks later, he came to me and he said, Pastor John, he says, man, I just want to tell you that, man, I, 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 I release my dad. I told him that the best thing that you could ever do is to forgive your dad. It doesn't mean that you're dismissing his, his ill against you. It doesn't mean that you are uh, dismissing his offense. It doesn't mean that it won't uh, continue to break your heart. It doesn't mean that you won't still feel it. It doesn't mean that you will still not be frustrated. It doesn't mean that you won't lay in your bed at night and still yearn for your father, still yearn for the relationship of your dad. It doesn't mean that you won't rehearse the thing that goes on in your mind that triggers uh, things in you that stir you toward your hatred toward him. But I said forgiveness is the gift that you give yourself. And so when you learn how to say, I need to forgive somebody, when you release them, it doesn't really the pain it doesn't release what has happened it doesn't release them but it releases you and I came to tell somebody this morning that I don't know and maybe there's somebody in the room and this might just be a word for somebody in the room that whatever it is that stops you from moving forward that stops you from transitioning that stops you from getting the best that God has for your life the first thing that you need to do is to forgive the bitterness you need to forgive those things that are working in you working against you the best gift that you could ever 
forgive yourself. And he says, Pastor Johnny, he says, man, I am so free. He said, I called my dad, and I, after forgiving myself for having ought against him, I called my dad and said, Dad, I forgive you. Dad, I love you. Dad, I want And he says, I, I'm developing a relationship with my dad. But he said that I was the one that needed to be free first. And I came to tell somebody this morning that God wants to release you first. God wants to release some things. There are some things that have been on reserve for your life. But God says that I need to remove some things in you because you can't take bitterness where I'm taking you. The place that God is getting ready to elevate you, there's some things that you cannot take there. You're not going to be able to take bitterness there. You're not going to be able to take those things that bind you and stop you because God's got best for you. And you say, but you don't understand, Pastor Johnny. Man, this thing is frustrating. But let me help you to understand something. Wherever God is taking you to, the thing that God is about to do with your life, you need to understand that some of these things may have happened because even myself, man, I grew up without my dad. My dad lived a half hour away from me and I never knew him. I met my dad two weeks before he died. I was 23 years old. I went to his funeral just to honor him, but I never knew him. To this day, I don't know what I missed with him not being there, but I do thank God that at the age of 19 years old, I met another daddy and he saved me. He delivered me. He broke every chain in my life and I'm free. I don't know if you, if, 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 if I don't know about you, but I just love being free. I love being free. Let me help you understand something. I have learned to release people. I have learned to let people go. I have learned because, listen, there's something that God wants to do in me. And I don't want to get to a place of elevation, but God can't take me any further because I'm taking it out on somebody else. I'm taking out on you what somebody else did in my past. So I'm releasing my past. Everything that has been uh, coming against me, it's broken. It's been destroyed. I'm not carrying into my past the pain of my past. I'm not taking into my present. I am released. I want you to know that if nobody else is free in this room, Johnny Thompson is free because the sun has set me free and I'm free indeed. And I have learned to give God praise all by myself because of what he's done in my life. The chains have been broken off of me. I know what it's like to stagger and to stumble. I know what it's like, amen, to look like I got it together, but I really do not have it, it together. But can I tell you today uh, that I stand here free. The chains have been broken. The fetters have been destroyed. The enemy is defeated. All things are under my feet. The devil is a liar. Greater is he that's in me, that's in you, than he that's in the world. God has given you victory. You are not fighting for your victory. You're fighting from the place of your victory. You've got it already. And if I were you, I would go ahead and give God a praise because if you got victory today, you ought to give God a praise today for my victory today. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. It doesn't matter what we go through. He's already given us the victory. That means at the end of this, we win. And it doesn't matter what you're facing, you win already. And so what do we do? We give him a post-dated praise. He's going to do it later, but I'm going to praise you for it now. I am going to bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. And so the reason I, I, I get why perhaps his dad wasn't in the picture, I get perhaps sometimes in my mind why my dad wasn't in the picture. There's a strong satanic assault against the man, against the fathering spirit, against the husband, the husband, the house, 
band, the one that bands the house together. And it, it, so many often, if you notice on Mother's Day, man, the places are always filled, whether it be churches, whether it be restaurants, because people love and appreciate their mothers. And it's not to say that they don't love and appreciate their dads, but a mom will hang in there, man, and she'll do the job of both the woman and the man. And, and the man will put an earring in his ear and get rid of the van that's got the paneling on the side and get him a drop top and, and ride into the sunset, amen. But the reality of it is, is that there is a strong satanic assault against the man, against the male man, against the male, against uh, the, 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 the male seed, against the fathering spirit. Because the enemy knows that if I can just wipe him out, it will affect everything that is up underneath him. If the man is out of his place, the woman becomes displaced. She takes on the role of both the man and the woman. She's not designed to do that. That's not God's will, but she will do it and she will bust that thing wide open. The children become uh, displaced. You can't reach them. You can't find them. Everybody is at home, but everybody is at home alone. Uh, it, it's a trip to me, man, is that I was watching a table recently at a restaurant and all of the kids had all of their, their, their tablets and the mom had her phone, the dad had their phone, and the ministry of the table appears to be missing in this generation. What do you mean the ministry of the table? Uh, there's something about the table. The Bible talks about how uh, the table, how uh, the, the woman will be like uh, uh, the grapes that grow uh, in the life of a man and the children will be uh, like arrows around the table like they would be around the table. It's a blessing that the children be around the table because in Jewish families way back in the day and it may still be even to this day uh, the table was not just the place where the children were fed it was the place where the children were led. It wasn't just a place for feeding. It was a place for leading. It was a place where the censor of the soul was set in the heart of a child. And in this day, we're seeing that so many kids, man, I'm seeing kids, man, they don't even know how to say hello. I remember my mom, man, if I walked into a room full of adults, man, my mom would say, hey, say, say hello to Mr. Jackson. No, 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 look up and say hello to Mr. Jackson. And I'm like, hello, Mr. Jackson. But what I didn't understand is that she was teaching me to respect authority. She was teaching me how to be honorable. She was teaching me how to respect people that are elders. Now, man, you walk into a room, man. Those kids just walk by you, man. They don't look at you. They don't say, but it's, it's, it's because the table is the place where the soul has to be set. I don't know about you, but man, I've, I've gone into places where if I have something attached to uh, uh, that they didn't take off of when I go to a store and they didn't take whatever that thing is, that, that, that sensor off. If I go to an airport and if I've got something that's metal in my bag, when I walk through the sensor detector, it beeps, beep, 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 because what they've done is that they've set those magnets where those magnets would beep, and they would beep based upon the sensitivity of whatever it is that they're trying to detect. I don't know that maybe what's happening in this generation is because there's no ministry of the table, the sensor of the soul has not been set, and so there's nothing that beeps, there's nothing that goes off if somebody is out of line 
line, nothing goes off. If there's sin, nothing goes off. If there is, is hell going on, nothing goes off. If a demon shows up in the room, nothing goes off. If you, if you don't live right, nothing goes off. If you don't respect church, nothing goes off. You don't even say, you know, I, I tell people sometimes that are around me, they, they, they sometimes say, they, they, they sometimes call Pastor J, man, and I find myself correcting them like, no, 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 no. If, if he's J to you, that's all good, but to me, he's Pastor J. And even though I might be older than him, I still call him Pastor J because there is a sensor that has been set on the inside of me that demands or commands that I speak a certain level of respect. It's a sensor. And I'm concerned that this generation has lost the sensor, the beep, 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 beep. I'm not saying beep, beep, beep. I'm not holy. Beep, beep, beep. My mind is not right. Beep, beep, beep. I, I need God. Beep, 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 beep. Lord, put a sensor on the inside of us that drives us to the face and to the place where God is. I'm asking God to create in me a clean heart. And I might just throw all kind of stuff in here, but I, I'm still talking about breakthrough. There's a certain there's a certain thing that God wants to do in the room, but there is a strong satanic assault against the man because the enemy feels like if I can just remove the head, everything else up underneath the head is going to respond to the removal of the head. David has a fight with Goliath. It really wasn't a fight. David shows up to confront Goliath. Goliath is punking out the church. He stands up every day and tells them, who's going to fight me? Who's bad? Who's bad? Who's bad? Who's bad? Who's bad? I'm taking some of y'all back. Yeah. <laughs> Some of y'all were seeing me do some moves. Some of y'all saw the band behind me, the lights flicking. Who's bad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, some of you guys went there. Listen, I almost went there too. I just want you to know, I almost, I almost kicked my leg and almost went there. I, I, I almost stepped into it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all not saved. I thought, man, I thought Sanctuary LA was a... Y'all not even about it, man. He stands in front of them saying, who's bad? Who is going to challenge me? Now, you got to know something about David. David is not this old dude. David is this dude, man, that he's been on the backfield of his father's field feeding sheep and taking care of them. When you see David, man, he's got sheep dung in between his toes. He's that dude that comes into the house smelling like he's been out on a field. Uh, the prophet comes to David and says, hey, I am here because there is a man in this house who's after the heart of God. What they didn't know is that David is this dude that's out in the field. Even though he's working for his father, he is blowing God's kisses. He is lifting up his hand. He was playing his harp. He is taking care of sheep and at the same time killing lions and bears. He's killing things that are coming after his father's field. And so the prophet says that after choosing seven sons, 
Jesse's sons. He says, listen, man, uh, the guy is not here, but God sent me here. I know that there is somebody here that has the anointing of God on their life. There is somebody in this room that has the anointing of God on their life, and they're not taking no for an answer. There is somebody here that has showed up at the sanctuary church, and you're not here because of your agenda, man. You are here to get behind the mandolis, get behind the sanctuary, and to say, listen, I am here to slay every devil, every demon on an assignment. What I love about this dude, David, is that when he shows up, he says, listen, he says, Goliath, uh, after he talks all that stuff, he says, listen, Goliath, you better Goliath down before I knock you down. In other words, what he's saying is that I did not come to play, I came to slay. And I know that there's some folk that are up in this room that you are tired of the enemy after your life and tired of the enemy after your family, tired of the enemy being after your marriage, tired of the enemy stopping you and hindering you from the things that God has ordained for your life. But somebody after today, you are going to stand bold in front of the face of your enemy and tell that devil, I did not come to play, I came to slay. And you might say that, listen, I don't have what Pastor Johnny has. Listen, all I got is God. I don't have what Pastor Sean has. What they've got is God. I don't have the anointing of Crystal Gale. What she has is God. David didn't have that either, but what he had was a rock in one hand and a rag in the other. He put those two things together. He spent that thing around and he threw it at the enemy and his enemy came down. It doesn't matter what you got. All you need is to show up and understand that my God is God. Beside him there is no other. The enemy is defeated and how dare you come against me. I come in the name of the Lord of hosts. It matters who's name you come in. I'm, 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 I'm going to really get to this word. I'm, I, I just, I, I, there's just a preach in me. There's just a preach in me. I make no excuse for it. And what he did is that he tells uh, Goliath that today I am going to remove your head. King James says, I am going to cut thine head from thee. When he shows up, he knows that this battle is the Lord's battle. When he shows up, most people that have showed up, they would have said, listen, Goliath is too big to fight. David says he's too big to miss. God's got this. It doesn't matter what the size of your battle. It doesn't matter what the size of your enemy. God says it doesn't matter. It's not by power. It's not by might, but it's by my spirit, saith God. God is able to do exceeding and abundantly above anything that you can ask or think. And I came to let the devil know that no weapon formed against Sanctuary LA will prosper. The gates of hell will not prevail. I forgot to tell some of you that, that I, I scream, I holler, I spit, I preach. That's who I am and that's what I do. There's those people, man, that they just stand there and say, now turn in your Bible to the book of Second Chronicles. 
Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Now hear the word of the Lord. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I have rejected you. And that's powerful. There are those people, man, that they spit and fan like a windmill, and they slap their knee. And there are those people that in the church that says, well, I don't like the way he preaches, and I don't like the way he teaches. And God loves all of it. We're the one that has the problem with what God wants to do in this generation. And if we would just take off the blinders and take off our Holy Ghost shades, because the Holy Ghost does not wear shades, but if we would take off all of this stuff that we've covered ourselves with and just get in the flow of everything that God wants to do, get baptized in everything that he is, the Father, the Son, and the Holy, get baptized in all that he is and make an impact in this generation. This church sits here to make an impact in this generation. Eyes haven't seen, let me prophesy. Ears have not heard the things that God has prepared for those that have set their hearts to do the will of God. I see walls being knocked down. I see things being moved over. I see the chairs that are in this room being set around because God wants to take you. He wants to take me and raise up a church that will tell the devil not to me. You don't. We bind you. We take authority. We loose. We release because that's who our God is. He's a God of breakthrough. Somebody shout breakthrough. Let me, let me set my watch down so I don't go past four. Let's look at this. Let's look at this word. One of the things that this begins with is a dilemma. There's a shifting in the ministry of David. And whenever there's a shifting, whenever God is shifting you, Whenever God is doing something, and it may be the only person in your family is you, that God is shifting toward the place of ministry, toward not being impressive in church, but being effective in the things that he's called you to do. And whenever he starts shifting you, you're going to begin to see satanic assaults against you. Listen, I'm not saying that for you to get nervous because you don't need to get nervous. You just need to understand that when that starts happening, it means that you are in the right vein because you're supposed to call trouble normal. Whenever God starts shifting, that's what's happening with David. When they find out that David is anointed, all of a sudden his enemy shows up. Isn't it interesting that when you get in alignment with God, your enemy shows up? Always. It's interesting that before Adam had a wife, you never hear about a serpent showing up. You never hear about a devil. But the minute God connects him with his purpose, the minute that God connects him with the one that is engaged in his purpose, the reason, the, 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 the minute God connects two people that are supposed to be one, all of a sudden you hear, all of a sudden you hear, for a second, babe. He said, come walk with me for a minute, Eve. 
Now, I know God been talking to you. I heard you and Adam talking about some word and stuff that all these trees you can't touch. And, but this one tree over here, uh, you can eat all that, but you can't eat this. I, I, I heard God talking to you. I heard you and, you and Adam talking to God. And I could hear the devil saying, Eve, I sure like what you ain't wearing, girl. You, I, sure like what, I sure like what you ain't wearing. I sure... Because when the enemy comes and he starts talking, he always puts some sugar on it. If you ever want to know what a good lie sounds like, mix it with a whole lot of truth. Rat poison is 90% corn, 10% poison. So the enemy's always going to start talking that game. And so he says, come here for a minute, Eve. Let me, let me talk to you for a second, Eve. Um, uh, what did God say? Eve says, God says that if we touch the tree, we shall surely die. The enemy changed one word, not nine, just one. She said, if we eat, we shall surely die. He said, you shall not surely die. You got to be careful chasing revelation. Because the enemy will drop just one word in there that'll throw everybody completely off. That's free. You don't even have to pay me for it. <laughs> Eve. So eat. Just, just, just eat. Eat this, Eve. Just, just take a minute. Just eat this. Because if you eat this, you will become knowing just like God. What she didn't know is that she was already like God. What I'm trying to tell somebody in the room is that you already have the victory. You already are walking in the anointing. You already have the power of God. His word is a working word. It doesn't matter if it does not look like it's working. It is working because when he sends it, it does not return unto him void. It accomplishes the thing whereunto it has been sent. Now, our frustration is when the devil says, but you don't see it yet. Where is it, Eve? Where is it? Where is it, Eve? You're serving at the sanctuary, just sacrificing your gas, sacrificing your time. Your kids didn't even get a chance to eat. You told them, babies, we're going to feed you after the meeting. And they just as hungry as they can want to be, just with an attitude. And, and, and here you are just serving God, just walking. And eat it, Eve. Come on, Eve, eat this. Eat. Eat this. Eat this. It's almost like a dude that comes to you and say, babe, you know, I got you covered. I see you down at that church all the time trying to help Pastor Sean and Crystal Gale Mandalay. <laughs> down there, listen, 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 listen. It ain't that much God in the world. Mm. You need a life. You don't need all that church. You don't need to be serving. Aren't you frustrated? Look at your feet. Look at your feet. Your, your ankles all swole down there trying to serve the Lord. Eat this, Eve, because all that the enemy tries to do is once he finds out that a shift is happening, all of a sudden you see him coming your way. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Is there anybody in the room that can identify with that? Man, when, before I got saved, man, I, before I got saved, man, I'm smoking so much dope. 
I'm doing all of this crazy stuff, man. I'm living all good. Man, and the enemy's not even messing with me. The minute that I get saved and start taking my check, man, and tithing, and the minute I get saved, man, and, 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 and stop going down to the liquor store, the minute I get saved and tell my boys that, listen, man, y'all need to stop smoking that stuff, man, and come to church with me, all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. The minute that David was anointed, the Bible says that his enemies came after me, after him. And so this is the testimony of David, because we have to understand that wherever there is consecration, there's always going to be the challenge of the enemy that follows. Whenever there is consecration, there is always going to be the enemy that would come to challenge. But you don't have to be afraid of the enemy. David was anointed, and although David was anointed, the, uh, the Scripture lets us know that David is anointed with issues. And let me just stop and put a praise right there. Because I need to thank God that God uses people that have issues. I need to thank God right now because your issues do not disqualify you from being used. And somebody else ought to put a praise right there. Oh, yes. Because even though you're struggling, even though there is a struggle in your fight, even though you're fighting faith and you're fighting faith monsters and you're doing all this, God does not disqualify you because you have issues. He is anointed. He is not average. Let me, let me, let me just say this real quick. I appreciate God for putting men in the Bible that knew who they were. Men that understood their identity. The reason why you would see a John the Baptist that would say something like, uh, 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 I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. In other words, he's saying, I am what you hear when God clears his throat. I know my identity. I am a voice in the wilderness. When, when, when Saul goes to see the seer, to see the prophet, he gets to a certain place and he steps into that, that place and says that, I'm here to see the seer. And Samuel steps forth and says, I am the seer because he understood his identity when uh, uh, Samson is laying in the head of Delilah. How do you spell relief? Mm. Delilah. He's laying in the lap of Delilah. And Delilah says, uh, you make me so sick, Samson, because every time I ask you where your strength is, you just don't tell me. That's the way she said it. In my mind, that's the way she said it. She, she said it like that. You, you won't tell me. You won't tell me your secret, Samson. I just, I be just trying to, I'm just trying to love on you, man, and trying to get you to the next level. And every time I ask you a question, you just don't want to tell me nothing. Here I am. just And, and so the Bible says that Samson told her all of his heart. He says this, he says that if my hair, he says, I'm a Nazarite from birth. If my hair is cut from my head, I am going to be just like any other man, which is an indication that he knew that he was not like any other man because he understood his identity. identity. The enemy comes after your identity. He comes after, he, 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 and he tries to blind it with brokenness and with discouragement and with frustration. And if you can resist the temptation of being frustrated and, and, and operating in what you feel and what you see and understand that there is a call on your life, understand that there is an anointing that has been reserved. The reason why Delilah was in Samson's life is because Delilah is reserved not just for any man. She is reserved for the strong man. And there's some Delilah's. Delilah's not hips, lips, and fingertips. Delilah 
Delilah's anything that stops you and separates you and moves you from being connected with what the will of God is in your life. Delilah is designed to take your strength from you. Delilah is not hips, she's not lips, she's fingertips. Delilah is discouragement. Delilah can be two jobs that keep you from going to church. Delilah can be somebody in your life that keeps you from fulfilling the will and the purpose of God. Her name, his name, the name is Delilah. Not just reserved for anybody, but she comes. But he says, I am not like any other man. I am not average. Look over at your neighbor and say, I am not average. And so because he's not average, the enemy is coming after him. And this is what, let me cut across the grass, and I got my notes because I just write on everything, amen. And what's interesting is that when they start talking about breakthrough, I don't even know why I brought this note, but I want to fulfill it and, and deal with it. David is anointed. He is consecrated unto God to complete the purpose of God. Verse 7 when they heard that David was anointed every level of your consecration is going to be challenged every level of your consecration is going to be tested every level of your advancement is going to be measured with the same level of adversity Anytime God begins to elevate you to the next level, you are going to deal with a next level of adversity. And you as a believer, you have to know and understand and know that those things will happen. You got to know that all of a sudden, no wonder the word says, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that has come to try you as if some strange thing is happening. Pastor Sean, why am I going through these strange things? Why am I going through stuff that has never happened to me before? Why are me and my wife all of a sudden arguing about things that we never argued about? Why are we experiencing tension? If there's ever going to be a testimony of victory, it's always going to be a accompanied by a certain level of tension. There will never be a, a testimony without tension. And I need somebody in the room to understand because somebody's carrying something. Somebody's got an anointing and a commitment to be here and to do this ministry and to walk this thing out and to connect your arms with this pastor and move in the way of the ministry. And all of a sudden things are breaking out in your life. I came to tell somebody that your next level of Consecration is just simply being matched with a next level of enemies trying to stop you and block you. But let me encourage you with the word. No weapon formed against you will prosper. God said that I have already given you the victory in the name of the Lord. And if there's anybody in here that know what I'm talking about, why don't you just simply put a praise on it right there? Every level of your advancement is going to be matched with the level of adversity. In other words, if you're the one with the football, you've got 11 other guys on the field that's chasing you to stop you from getting to the goal. And so David 
says that I'm being chased. But he says, listen, verse 18, he says that the, the, that the enemy came and spread themselves around. Spreading themselves speaks to borders. It speaks to blockage. It speaks to setting things up that would stop you from moving any further. But can I tell you that no matter which direction the enemy comes, you are going to move in the movement of what God is doing, regardless of the resistance, regardless of restrictions, regardless of limitations that have been uh, set up to b block your movement, you are going to move forward. Will you just look at somebody, encourage them and say, Pastor Johnny is talking to you. You are about to move forward. I'm here to tell you that even though you may be up under attack, it is just simply what God is using to keep you fresh and to keep you flaky and to keep you moving. Have you ever heard the story of the cod and the catfish? I read where the, the catfish is an enemy of the codfish. Now, I don't like fish. I'm not in the seafood, but the story just is about to carry just a little weight, that's all. But the, the story of the codfish and the catfish is that they're enemies. There was a man that would make his money off of codfish, and he would try to transport that codfish by train. And by the time that it got to his destination, when it got on the table after being served, it was not fresh. When it got to the table or to the restaurant, it was just not flaky enough. It was just not good enough. And so he packed it on ice and then shipped it over uh, by, 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 by the water. By the time it got to where it needed to get to, it just wasn't good. It was just never good. And so a man came up with this. He says, do you not know that the codfish and the catfish are enemies? He said, if you want the fish to be fresh when it gets to its destination, put the fish, the codfish, in the same tank with the catfish. And what's going to happen the whole way while you're shipping it, the catfish is going to chase the codfish. But what's going to happen is that the codfish is going to run every time it sees the catfish behind him. Now, I'm not saying run from the devil because God never gave you any armor for you to run from anything that looks like him. But the point that I'm making is this, is that by the time that the aquarium filled with codfish and catfish got to its destination, all of the codfish were still alive. And by the time it got to the table, it was fresh, it was flaky, it had all of its taste. Sometimes God will allow the catfish to remain in your life to keep you moving in the direction that you need to go so that when you get to where it is that God says you're supposed to be, you'll be fresh, you'll be ready, you'll be ready to move in the things of God. Sometimes God uses the devil, but he uses the devil even though the devil is still the devil under God's control. If I were you, I would look under my feet and tell the devil you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Let me close with this. Ah, let me shut it down. David inquired of the Lord and said, is this my fight? Is this my battle? I'm finding too many people, man, in this generation that they are fighting fights that are not designed for them. It's not about being political. It's about being biblical. And I'm standing in front of too many people that they've got a biblical or they've got a political word, but they have no biblical word. In this generation, our place is to decree and to declare what God says. And so he engaged God because you are only effective as you are clear. God, is this my fight? 
Do you want me to be wrapped up in this? Is this my fight? Even in a marriage, man, it's like, uh, oh, uh, this ain't my fight. Y'all going to do what y'all going to do. I'll, I'll never forget. I'll never forget my wife and my daughter, when my daughter was much younger, they were having some kind of spat. And here I am, just being the man and the dad and the husband. I step into the room, and, and I start, like, showing up, like, getting ready to fix a couple of things. And so I voice what it was that I needed to voice as a husband, as a dad, and they both stopped what they were doing, and they looked at me like, what are you doing in the middle of this? I looked and I understood that's not my fight. So David is saying, is this my fight? Should I pursue? And God says, I want you to pursue because I've given you this battle. And so it's important to understand that it has to be an engaging of God. It's not just, and some people think that prayer is taking away your right to react. Prayer is just bringing the host of heaven into the situation that you are facing. How many of you know that prayer changes things? If it does not change the things, it changes you. Where you have the ability and the capacity to still stand in front of everything that's coming against you with strength and with power and with authority and with the word because we know that our God has no rival our God has no equal the enemy is no match for our God he's trying to be a match against us but no weapon that has been formed against us shall prosper because he's no match to the one that has created us and formed us I'm preaching to myself the enemy is under your feet he inquired of the Lord and the Lord instruction. He said, go out. He says, because I have given you the battle there. It matters where you fight. It matters what church you go to. It matters how you get fed. It matters what you feed yourself. It matters that you're in a place where you encourage the fight, the good fight of faith, and walk this thing out in the power and the anointing of God. And the Bible says when the Philistines came, David slaughtered the enemy. He slaughtered the enemy where God told him to go. Because God says, if, you, if I tell you to go, you're not going by yourself. He says, I'm already there. He is already there before you even show up. And he's already decreed your victory before you've even made up in your mind to go. He's already there. Your victory is his. The battle is the Lord's. He's never lost a fight. And he's not about to lose this one. But you got to take your battle to the place that he's called you to take it. You got to take your battle up. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God and bringing it into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You got to take your battle up. You got to take your battle up. You got to take your battle up. You got to take the word up. You got to put the word on it. You got to find scripture that covers your case and declare it and declare it. Even though you may have a pain in your body, even though it doesn't look like God has answered, it doesn't 
to look like? It almost looks like, man, I got to give God a contradictory praise. What does that mean, Pastor? That means that everything around me looks contradicting to what God's Word has said, but yet will I stand here and give God a praise. I'm calling it a contradictory praise. I will bless the Lord no matter what's happening because I'm taking my battle up. You've got to take the battle up. The battle is the Lord's. It's not yours. I'm going to close with this. I was watching on the Discovery Channel this eagle trying to fight this snake on the ground. And while this snake is on the ground, this eagle is just kind of picking at it. But the, the snake is trying to hit the eagle and trying to attack the eagle. And so it's interesting that the moderator started saying, and he started talking about why the snake all of a sudden just picks, or why the eagle all of a sudden just picks up the snake. He takes the snake into a high place. You ever notice that eagles don't live with chickens? Eagles don't hang with pigeons? Eagles don't hang with crows? Eagles don't hang with every other bird. Eagles just always seem to hang with eagles. And where they live is in a high place. And eagles are so keen in terms of their vision. Eagles are so specific about their life that not only do they live in a high place, but they see everything that goes on in the low. They can see two miles with their vision, two miles. They have keen vision. He's on the ground fighting with the snake. He all of a sudden lifts up that snake because it looks like on the ground they're not gaining victory, that he's not uh, uh, gaining the victory over this snake. So he picks the snake up. The moderator says uh, what the ego is doing is lifting the snake out of its element because the snake is very comfortable with the ground. No wonder the word says that you will be cursed and on the ground on your belly shall you uh, operate. And so the ground the ground the environment is where he's comfortable. He's comfortable in an environment of doubt. He's comfortable in an environment of frustration. He's comfortable in an environment where there's a lot of tension going on. But the Bible lets us know that we have to cast that thing down and take that thing up. And so the ego takes the thing up. The moderator says that the reason why he's taking it up is to get his equilibrium off because the enemy or the snake cannot function if he's not functioning in his own environment. And so when he takes it up, it gets a little wiggly. It gets a little uh, off balance. It doesn't know what to do. And I'm here to tell you that your enemy does not know what what to do when you put the word on it and you take that situation up to the place where God is and not your doubt and your fear and your frustration. He takes it all the way up and he drops it down to the ground. It hits the ground so hard, but the ego does not stop there. He says, I'm not finished with you. He goes and he picks it up again and he takes it up again. Because sometimes, like Jesus said, how do you see now? And he says, I see men like trees. He says, so let me put my head on it again. And so he takes it up again and he drops that thing down. He takes it up again. 
again. He takes it up again. He takes it up again. And after pounding that thing into the ground, all of a sudden the stake stops moving. It's like David saying, Goliath, I am going to cut thine head off from thee because once I remove your head, all of the enemies that stand behind you will run away. God is saying that I have given you the victory. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Put your hands together and give God an awesome praise. Thank you for listening to the Sanctuary LA podcast. Tune in again next week and stay awesome and be blessed.